0: Thank you worship team. That was fantastic. Welcome to New Hope Church on a snowy morning here. Hey, this first service was a fantastic service, and um, we, we we had all kinds of great things went on. But one of the things that we did was we celebrated a baptism during the first service. And short of bringing up little Abby and dunking her again, which we told her we wouldn't do, uh, we want to play for you the video of her baptism from just about a half hour ago, so that you can also celebrate with her how God has worked in her life. I've said before, baptisms are about my favorite thing in the world because it's a it's a picture of somebody's life that was changed by the gospel, by Jesus. And so what we want to do now is we're going to play this video for you. It's just a few minutes, but it'll give you a chance to celebrate, uh, I guess by extension, with Abby as uh, Jake, actually our youth pastor, led in the baptism and and did a great job with that. So let's go ahead and roll that video now, please. Head over to the tree at that time. And so I'd like to invite Jake and Abby, come on down if you would, students. You can hang in the back or Sunday school classes. This is fun. Every kid's coming in to cheer on Abby. So come on in, Sunday school classes, up to the front if you would. Get a good spot. Get a good seat.
1: I'm super, super excited to be here and be able to baptize Abby. Um, for those of you who don't know Abby, you're, Abby's in sixth grade. She's going to tell you a little bit about herself. But I just want to kind of share a little of the process. Um, uh, so I think Abby had approached, um, you approached Hannah first, right? Um, and so, and then Hannah comes up to me and said that Abby wanted to get baptized. And it was just, it's so exciting to see a young person just wanting to take this step of faith. And Abby's been super excited about being baptized. Um, Grandma's been uh, kind of pushing the date back a little bit so it would work better in terms of uh, scheduling and everything. I think that's been, she's just ready for this like she's been ready for Christmas. So um, she's going to share a little bit about her story and then we're going to go ahead and get you baptized. Hi, my name is Abigail Stonehawker. The day I got saved was June of 2015. I got saved at my grandma's house. She helped teach me about the Bible and God. On that day, I thought I really understood the meaning of getting saved, and I really wanted to get saved that day. We went to my grandma's prayer room. I know Christ died for my sins, and to go to heaven, I had to tell him I was sorry for my sins, so I prayed and I asked Jesus to be my Savior. A couple months ago, I saw in the bulletin they had an announcement for anyone who wanted to get baptized, and I asked my grandma if I could get baptized. Then we talked to our youth pastor, Jake, and my mom and my dad. Then I got permission to get baptized. The reason for getting baptized was to show you I asked Jesus to be my Savior, and now I want to learn more about Him. So that is why I'm here today, to follow what Jesus asked us to do in the Bible.
0: Went off mic there at the very end as Jake was talking to Abby and, and, of course, Duncan her. So anyway, super exciting, and, and hopefully that just gave you a little glimpse of how God is working in people's lives and, uh, and transforming people, and that's really what it's about as we, we want to see Christ's kingdom and his work advance in the lives of people and in this community. So uh, hopefully that gets you excited, and if that doesn't get you excited, how about this? And we have more lights on in the house here. How about this? Um, 23 days till Christmas. Is that exciting or is that panic? Maybe that's maybe that's a mixture of both there. I don't know. Maybe for some of you, you think of, okay, 23 days, I'm on the ball, I'm ready for it. This is the greatest time of, of the season, of the year, if you will. And maybe for others of you, it's a little more stressful or there's a mix of emotions going on there. Uh, maybe you look ahead the next 23 days and you think, I'm just going to hold my breath and hold on for dear life because life is going to get crazy. And if I woke up tomorrow and it was December 26th, that would be okay because of just all the stuff going on. Either way, we, we really do approach Christmas in different places. And um, what we wanna do here the next several weeks is talk about what we're calling uncluttered Christmas, of really taking a look at this holiday season and saying, how can we approach this season in a way that helps us keep our focus where it needs to be, which is on Jesus. If you have your bulletin, uh, hopefully you do, on the back side, if you'd grab that and turn it on the back, I wanna give you your first film in the blank here this morning. Your first fill in the blank is uh, as we work through some of these here. And this one is really going to lay the the foundation for this morning, what we're going to be talking about here. And it's this, that this Christmas, we want to make room for what we're calling a new mindset. A new mindset. You might say, well, what, what do you mean by that? Well, a mindset is a set of attitudes that you have about something. And you have, mind, you have a mindset about all kinds of different things. You have a mindset about work or you have a mindset about family or relationships or whatever the case may be. You and I, we all, we have these certain sets of attitudes about certain things. Now those come from different places. They come from our past experiences. They come from present circumstances. Uh, they come from culture. They come from a whole lot of other places. But, but at the end of the day, though, we have these mindsets about things. And you also have a mindset about Christmas. You do. Entering the season, maybe for some of you, I've already talked about it a little bit, maybe for some of you, for Christmas, you just love it. You love this time of season, and so your attitude going in is, this is the greatest time of the year. I love Christmas. Maybe for others, like I said before, you just want to skip it. It's not your favorite time of year. It's actually a hard time of the year. And, and you'd like to just kind of work your way through and be done with it. Maybe for others of you, your mindset is one of, I love Christmas, but I hate how Christmas gets caught up in all the commercialism. That all that just taints it. It just, it just changes it. And it almost kind of messes it up a little bit. In fact, did you know, interesting staff, that on Black Friday, just a short time ago, several days ago, short time ago, about a, over 100 million Americans went out shopping on Black Friday. That's insane. Now, for us, our family, we avoid that like the plague. We do not engage Black Friday. We stay away. But this year, we accidentally ended up at Jordan Creek Mall. And probably about half of that number was at Jordan Creek Mall because it was insane. I was telling last service, we parked in Ankeny, and we walked our way you know, to the mall because it was just so crowded and, and full. The, the average family that goes out or person that goes out on Black Friday, they spend $1,007 shopping on Black Friday. Crazy. And so again, so maybe for you, it's like, I love Christmas, but yeah, it just gets all kind of jumbled up. And, and our word, I guess, it gets cluttered. Maybe for you, this time of year is marked by exhaustion. Maybe it's marked by stress. Maybe for you, it's, it's a time that, although you like the time, it's a time of financial stretching that is just uncomfortable and really difficult to navigate through. How about this one? Maybe for some of you, you deal with PCB. It's actually a condition, it's a legitimate condition, post-Christmas blues. Meaning you love Christmas, you go through the Christmas season, but every year when it's all over, you hit a lull and you actually go down a little bit and you feel blue about things. I've felt it before, and maybe you have too. In our family, our kids will inevitably, somebody will say this every single Christmas. We'll, we'll get up, we'll you know, open gifts and do that at the Christmas thing, and somebody will say when it's all done, is that all? What do you mean, is that all? We've been opening presents like, for three days. What do you mean, is that all? I mean, and, but nonetheless, there's this sense of letdown. Uh, if I went through Christmas and then it's like, is that it? It's over. I feel bad about that or I feel sad about that. And so we come to Christmas in these different places. What we want to do in the next several weeks is we're going to talk about uncluttering Christmas. And what that means is cutting through the stuff and making room for what really matters, which is Jesus that we would approach Christmas for the right reasons and with the right priorities, and that our focus would be increasingly on the birthday boy, on Jesus, and that we make him the purpose for Christmas this year. And so as I said before, our first step is we want to make room for a new mindset. So this morning I want to look at three different mindsets, three different sets of attitudes that I want to encourage myself and every one of us here this morning that we would consider adopting these three attitudes or a mindset to help us as we navigate and enter into the Christmas season this year. So again, you have your bulletin, you already got one fill in the blank in. Here is the first mindset I want to talk about this morning is that you and I, that this Christmas, that we would take time to be thankful, that we would take time to be thankful. I know we just had Thanksgiving. We've just been talking about gratitude. But specifically, as we think about Christmas, what I want to do is I want to challenge all of us to think about gratitude in one specific way, one specific kind of example of that. And what I mean is, is this, is that this Christmas, I want to encourage all of us to focus on being thankful for who God is and for what he's done in your life. For who God is and what he's done in your life. Here's why. Because the more you and I practice that, specifically pointing and oriented toward God, the more that you and I are going to want to respond back to him in love and in serving. Look with me an example of this. 1 Samuel chapter 12. It's the Old Testament. Samuel's a prophet in Israel. And he's talking to the nation of Israel. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to encourage them and spur them on to living wholeheartedly for God. He's trying to challenge them in this way, and he says all kinds of things in chapter 12. Now, verse 24 zeroes in on one idea. Look what he says. He says, but be sure to fear the Lord and to serve him faithfully with all your heart. Now, as if anticipating the question, why should I do this? Why does this matter? He then says the next part. Consider what great things he has done for you. There it is. The more you and I consider the great things God has done for you, the more you consider who God is, the more that you're going to want to, as it says here in Samuel, fear God or hold him in awe and serve him faithfully with all your heart. See, it is good to remember who God is. Now, if you're here this morning you're saying, yeah, but things are hard and I'm not sure that God has done great things, but he has. We always have a reason to praise God. And if nothing else, go back to his character. Remember that God is kind. Remember that God is faithful. Remember his unfailing love. Remember grace. Remember the cross. Remember Jesus. Remember all of that. And as you do, God is going to begin to work in your heart such that you want to respond back to him and say, God, all my heart then. You have all my heart. See, what gratitude does, focusing on who God is and what he's done, focusing on Jesus, is it helps us cut through the clutter of the season. The things that crowd Jesus out, it keeps it focused in our mind. And so I want us to practice right now. In your bulletin, there's three lines right there, right where it says 1 Samuel chapter 12. I want just right now, take a moment with your pen, write down three things, right? now. Who God is, what he's done in your life, what are you thankful for when it comes to God? Just take a moment right now and write down some things. I bet you can think of more than three too. We always have a reason praise Him. Always. It reminds me of a story in the Gospels. Jesus is, is out, and He's ministering to people, and he's, he's interacting with people, and He encounters a group of ten lepers. Let's go ahead and read together. Luke chapter 17, just follow along on the screen behind. Starting in verse 11, it says this, Now on His way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men with leprosy met him. Now, now, just pause real quick here. So there's these ten guys that have leprosy, which basically means a skin disease of some kind. Either way, whatever they were dealing with, they were not allowed to be inside the village. They had to live outside the village. See, it was more than a medical condition. This cut them off socially from their lives. They had no contact with family, no contact with friends. They lived isolated out in the community. Outside the community, that is. And any time somebody would come or go and be anywhere in proximity to them, they had to call out and say out loud, unclean, unclean, to warn people to stay away. This is the situation for these people. This is what they're going through. This is their lives. And so again, verse 12, As he, Jesus, was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice. Now, they're going to change the script a little bit here. They said, Jesus, master, not unclean. They said, have pity on us. Have pity on us. And when he, Jesus, saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. That's an odd thing to say. Not you're healed. Not I'll get to it in a moment. But rather he says, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, why would he say that? Well, because at this time in history, when a healing took place, a physical healing, the person that was healed was then required to go to the priest and the healing, the miracle had to be certified. The priest had to say, yes, you are healed. Now you can enter back into community. And so Jesus says to the lepers, go and show yourselves to the priest. But here's the kicker. They weren't healed yet. Before the healing, he says, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, consider their position. For them, it's like, okay, if I go to the priest, but I still have the leprosy, that's humiliating. But he's still telling me to go without the healing. They had to trust him. They was in a, Jesus put them right in a position of faith. Are we going to believe this person? Are we going to trust what happens? Let's see what happens, because they do. It says this, that as they went, and that's significant, they did it. As they went... They were cleansed. Could you imagine how overjoyed they were? Could you imagine just that moment of of how they felt? Because not only was it a physical healing, it was their life back. Everything about their lives, they got it back. As they went, they were cleansed. Jesus healed them. And one of them, it says, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? It raises the question, of course, Jesus asked it. Why didn't they all come back? Why did only one return but the other nine didn't? I mean, what was going on in their lives in that moment that was so important? But to make it more personal, what goes on in our lives that we sometimes or maybe even often were the nine and not the one? get busy, you forget, other excuses. This is my story, it's your story, this, this is us. And if you think about it, Christmas time is the perfect time to tell God thank you. But it's also the ideal time that we forget to do it because we're so busy, because we have so much going on, there's so much clutter happening in our lives that we forget about saying thank you. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Because when we practice this idea of saying thank you to who God is and what he's done in our lives, it helps us at this verse here where Paul says this. He says, for who makes you different from anyone else? That's a good question. Who makes you different from anyone else? And what do you have that you did not receive? That's another good question. You did, excuse me, and if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not I want to encourage us this, this Christmas season as we enter in that we would take time during this season to tell God thank you for who he is and for what he's doing. So what can you do? My encouragement, maybe each day write down somewhere in a journal, write on something where you're just every day calling out who God is and what he's done in your life. That you'd put that on a fridge, hang it on a mirror, maybe fill up a Christmas tree with different pieces of paper all over the tree where you're just calling out, this is who God is and this is how he's worked in my life. Take time to pray this season. Every day, God, in light of all that's going on, I'm setting all the clutter aside. And I just want to focus on you to say, God, this is who you are and this is what you've done. You are kind and good and I praise you for that. This is an important thing to do. So that's a first mindset I want to encourage us to have, that we would have a mindset or an attitude of thanksgiving this Christmas season. Let's move on to number two. Next fill-in-the-blank is this. Next fill-in-the-blank is that we would take time this Christmas to be humble. To be humble. Now, humility is one of those interesting words. What does it mean? Well, humility, it does not mean to think less of yourself. It does not mean to demean yourself. What it does mean, though, is to think of yourself less often. That's what humility is. To take the focus off self and to place it other places. Look with me at Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Because as we think about Christmas and uncluttering Christmas, a lot of the clutter comes from our self-focus, doesn't it? A lot of clutter comes from that place. But Jesus is our example of a different way of living. Chapter 2, verse 3. It says, Paul writes again, he says, do, not, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in, there it is, humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. There it is. Could you imagine if we lived this out? Could you imagine the, the difference in our relationships, in our community, in our church? It'd be remarkable. Because these verses right here, these are so countercultural, aren't they? See, culture says take selfies, and Jesus says be selfless. They're so different from each other. It's night and day distinction here. And yet, here we see Jesus, and Paul's going to call out here in just a moment, but Jesus is the perfect example. See, Jesus, that first Christmas, is that example, ultimate example of being selfless, of being humble of being the Son of God who stepped down from the throne room of the Father, taking the humility of of putting on flesh, of becoming human, born as a baby in humble circumstances, not to be served, but to serve others and ultimately to go to the cross. And Paul calls that out. Let's keep reading in verse 5. He says that your attitude, think about this idea of of being humble, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, Jesus is God, the Son of God, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, something to be exploited, something to be taken for his own advantage. He didn't do that. Rather, but made himself nothing. Jesus, who is in nature God, emptied himself of all of that, setting it all aside, making himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, calling out the most humiliating way to die through crucifixion. If We're called to be humble for no other reason than Jesus was humble. This is how he lived. And this is the picture we have of the first Christmas. So this Christmas, as we think about the idea of being humble... I think it means taking on an attitude of you first. That's what that means. Not me first, you first. I think it takes on an attitude of not what I want, but what can I do? I think it means taking on an attitude of not serve me, but how can I come alongside and serve you? This is the picture we get of Jesus. This is the picture we get of Christmas here. So maybe it looks like, Baking cookies for a neighbor that you know is hurting and struggling and going over and a simple expression of love. Maybe it means calling a grandparent just because and to tell them that you love them and you were thinking of them. Maybe it means providing child care for a single mom so that she can go Christmas shopping or that's code for take a nap. I mean whatever it is, but either way so that she can have a few minutes. But it's it's saying, you know what, this Christmas, not me. And not me first. How can I serve others? How can I be like Jesus this Christmas to somebody else? It's having the courage to say, God, would you put somebody in my life that I can show Christ to this Christmas? So I want to practice gratitude. I want to praise God for who He is. I want to have that mindset. I want to have the mindset of being humble. And here's our third one, our last one for this morning. And it's this that we would take time this Christmas to be compassionate. Compassionate. And compassionate is an important word here. I want us to see this in action again, looking at the life of Jesus in his ministry. This is one of my favorite passages in the New Testament Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. Look with me at what it says. It says that Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. I mean, what this beautiful picture of Jesus. He's going to where the people are. He's traveling from place to place so that he can engage, so he can be with the people here. So that he can show them love. Verse 36. And when he saw the crowds, here's our word, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I want to pause here real quick. Because I want to call out here, so we see Jesus has compassion for the people, but Jesus' compassion is not pity. We can feel pity all the time. We can feel sorry for people all the time. We can see certain situations and say, oh, I mean, I feel so bad for them. Oh, I feel so sorry for that situation. That's pity, but that's not compassion. Compassion is pity plus action. It's the two of them working together. It's that I am moved by emotionally by, by pity by what's going on and I'm going to do something about it. That's compassion. That's what Jesus felt. As he went from town to village and he saw people, he, he paid attention to people, and he saw what they were going through, and he called it out, harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He felt something inside. In fact, the word compassion the Greek has this idea of like a churning inside. Like it's just it's just kind of eating him on the inside. You've all felt that before. And Jesus has this feeling inside, and, and, and he is moved emotionally, but the scene of what he sees with the people, he loves and he wants to do something for them. And then he does something. Look at verse 37. He says, Then he said to his disciples, almost pulling them together, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He gets his disciples praying. He says, look, guys, this isn't okay. We've got to fix this situation. This is not where we want to leave people. So we got to start praying. Now, if you have your Bibles open, if, if not, you go. Chapter 10, verse 1, very next verse, he sends the disciples out. He got them praying, then he packed them up. He says, you're the answer to your own prayer, guys. Go get them. And he sends them out to minister to people. That's compassion. That's what it looks like. This Christmas, I want to encourage all of us that you and I would take time and that we would practice compassion. And I say, well, why? Here's why. We're not all okay. We're not. As we sit in a room this size with this number of people, there are people in this room, as we approach the holiday season, you're not okay. You're not. You're smiling here this morning. But inside, there's something happening. And maybe for you, this Christmas, It's that as you go into the Christmas season, all you can think about and remember is that loved one that you had to say goodbye to this year. And you don't quite know how to approach Christmas the same way with them not here. It doesn't have to be this year. It could have been years past. It doesn't matter. But nonetheless, there's a void there and there's a hurt there. Or maybe for you, you're going through some circumstances in life. There's something that's that's happening, a a turn for the worst, a job situation, uh, a health situation. There's something happening there, and and this made this Christmas a very different experience than what you expected it to be like. Or maybe for you, it's in the area of relationships. And there's friction there, but there's always friction. But you know what? You can hide a lot of the year. But Christmas time, it's really hard. Because Christmas time, it's almost like you have to take it head on. You have to deal with the family drama. And that one person you can ignore all year long, but when Christmas comes around, it's like, well, what do you do? Do you invite them? Do you not? Do you send them a card? Do you not? It becomes hard. See, what Christmas does, for better or worse, is that wherever you're at in life, it takes that place and it turns up the volume. Meaning if you're in a good place in life, Christmas is a great time of year. It's magical. But if you're in a season of life where things are hard, it almost makes it harder. That's what Christmas does. And the reason I want to talk about compassion as we close this morning, again, is because we're not all okay. There's people in this room, just like last service, you're going through some things this Christmas. And if that's you this morning, even if it's not you this morning, I want to invite everybody, everybody here at New Hope Church, to visit what we're calling the tree of hope. It's to my right, your left. That's the tree. And what we're doing the entire month of December is we're taking time and we're drawing attention to the reality of where we're at as people in our lives. And there's a couple different ways that you can engage the tree of hope this December. The first one is that you can go to the table and we'll have people there to help you and you can grab a bulb. And you take a bulb and we've got markers and you can write the name of that loved one that you've had to say goodbye to in memory of. You can write their name. You can hang it on the tree. You can already see the tree starting to fill up. And it's going to be a a reminder throughout the month of December of the people that we've lost, the voids that we feel, and the loved ones that we miss. And so you can grab a bulb and do this when the service is over this morning. There's more that you can do. In your bulletin, in fact, if you'd pull this out, please, it's in your bulletin. Everybody's got one. It's called the Tree of Hope. And on the back side of it, it says, please pray. And what I want to invite you to do this morning, if you have the courage, is I want you to write down a prayer request of something that maybe you're going through or maybe it's something that somebody else that you know is going through but you know they could use some prayer. Whatever the case may be, this is a chance for you to write down a prayer request. If you want, you can put your name on it. You don't have to, though. You can leave it completely anonymous. You fold it up. You go to the table, there's a string, there's ribbon there. Fish it through, tie a knot, and it goes up on the tree. You can do multiple tags. You can fill the tree up with tags if this is where you're at. That is perfectly okay. But this tree, as I mentioned before, is not just for the hurting. This is for all of us, and here's how. It's because I want to invite every single one of us to go to that tree, and if you see a prayer request up there hanging on the tree, I want to ask you, and invite you to take that. You take that prayer request. What I want you to do is I want you to adopt somebody this Christmas season that you said, I'm going to commit to praying for them this Christmas. Not just today, not just tomorrow, the entire month of December to say, I have got your back spiritually speaking. I'm going to intercede for you. I'm going to support you. And if you filled out a prayer request, it's going to go up there. It'll be gone. And somebody that you may not even know is going to be praying for you this Christmas. If you put your name on there and if you get a card that has a name on there, I would encourage you to drop them a text message or drop them a little email and just say, hey, I'm the one that got your card and and I know you or I don't know you. It does not matter, but I love you and I'm going to pray for you. I'm with you. If this morning you're going to engage and come to the Tree of Hope and you're thinking, I'm going through stuff right here today, we're going to have people every Sunday that are going to be over there willing to pray with you. Just right here today. Here's why this is important. Because this is the church being the church. You know how it goes. We come, we say hi, we smile, we shake hands, sing some songs, hear a sermon, grab a snack, and we head out the door. But this is where we as Do Hope Church, we get to slow down, come alongside each other, and love each other, and support each other. This is important. But it's not going to work if you and I don't have courage to go. Go. I fully appreciate it. and I know it takes a little something to put yourself out there and to say, I'm going to fill out a card or I'm going to sign a bulb and put it on that tree. Either way, I'd like to beg the band to come on up if you would, please. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to sing a worship song, and the service is done. And at that point, you are free, I'm going to invite you to come up to the tree and to engage and to be a part of that. Can we pray together? Let's do that. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the chance as we enter in the Christmas season to, to unclutter and to find some ways to make room for you. And I pray that our mindset or in other words, our attitude, Father, that as we, as we approach Christmas, our attitude would be in the right place. And that for each one of us that we would intentionally practice thanks, uh, gratitude and being thankful. That we would practice humility in saying others first. That we would practice compassion by loving others right where they're at. Father, this morning, I know there are people that are going through hard times. There are are different situations taking place. And I pray that for each of us that we would have the willingness to, to put ourselves out there to say, I would love somebody to pray for me. I would love somebody to support me and walk with me through this season. And so, Father, we commit the tree of hope to you and ask that you would use it in a powerful way, not just for the tree's sake, but for the lives of people at New Hope Church. So, Father, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you this morning. It's in your name we pray.